All right. Have you all had a good weekend? Good. Let's pray and we'll get, we'll get rolling. <clears throat> uh, Father in heaven, I just want to thank you for uh, just being an incredible God who loves us, God, even when uh, we screw up, when we do stupid stuff, God, uh, when we rebel against you, God, you still love us, you still sent your son, and God, uh, you would give us not only your son, but you would give us your word uh, to help guide us, God, that we would be able to look into it, we could look at the examples of the people in your word, God, at the letters that you wrote uh, to your church, and that we would be able to take from those things lessons that will make our lives different and better, God, and can help the, everyone that we come into contact with, God, to have a different and better kind of life. Uh, God, just help us to never forget uh, who you are, what you've done for us, and also, God, what you do expect of us. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, some of you will remember this and know about this, and some of you won't. But back in around 2001, these guys were having a conversation about, about girls. And they were talking, and they, they were like, they were having this conversation. And the one guy was like, oh, man, this chick is so hot. And the other guy was like, no, dude, what are you talking about? She's not good looking. I don't think she's hot at all. And he was like, no, but this chick, now she's hot. And the other guy's like, I don't think that chick is that hot. And so they started talking about it, and they were, they were actually developers, and they're like, you know what, this is an awesome conversation, and the whole world should be a part of it. And if we can't dispute and decide who's hot or not, maybe other people can help us. And so for those of you who remember the website, Hot or Not, uh, that's exactly what took place. So what these guys did was they created this, this website to where you could load up your picture and when you would load up your picture, it would ask whether or not you were hot or not. Let's put that first picture up. So as, as this is kind of what, what it looked like. I'm pointing over here and there's nothing over here. So this girl put her picture up there and she is asking, am I hot or not? And people go on and they rate on a scale of one to 10 whether or not that person is hot or not. The two guys said, man, I knew this website was gonna be a hit. This was one of the top websites in the entire world, early 2000s, huge. Millions and millions and millions of hits. And this guy said, man, I knew this was gonna be a hit. And when I realized it was gonna be a hit is when we showed this website to my 60-year-old dad and we couldn't get him off of it. He just sat there, this old, he's an old Asian guy. There's a picture of him, you can look him up online. He's like, he was just sitting there and he just couldn't stop talking about this website, whether or not people were hot or not. And some people used it, you know, for fun, like this next picture. They're like, hey, you know, we're gonna, am I hot or not, right? This next one is my personal favorite though. Uh, hot Kyle! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Hot Kyle. He's back there shaking his head. He thinks it's a deep fake. Who thinks it's a deep fake? Who thinks it's Kyle? Yeah. I'm going to say it's Kyle. <laughs> so, you know, and you look at this website, and this website was designed to let these people know where they stood on a scale of hotness. And uh, in the book of Revelation, in the last church that's addressed, God gives them a hot or not scale. In Revelation 3, verse 14 through 22, it says this, write this to the angel of the church in Laodicea. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot, cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. After all, you say, I'm rich and I've grown wealthy and I don't need a thing. 
You don't realize that you're miserable. You're pathetic, poor, blind, and naked. My advice is that you buy gold for me that has been purified by fire so that you may be rich and white clothing to wear that so your nakedness won't be shamefully exposed and ointment to put on your eyes so that you may see. I correct and discipline those whom I love. So be earnest and change your hearts and lives. Look, I'm standing at the door knocking. If any hear my voice and open the door, I will come and be with them and we'll have dinner with them and they will have dinner with me. As for those who emerge victorious, I will allow them to sit with me on my throne just as I emerged victorious and sat down on my father's throne. If you can hear, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. You see, he looks at this church and he gives them a scale on where they stand on the hot or not scale. And he is not afraid to be bold. He's not afraid to be honest. He's not afraid to be straightforward. And he's not too worried about hurting people's feelings, obviously. And you and I have got to start being willing to examine our hearts and ask ourselves, am I hot or not? Where do I stand? Am I hot? Am I cold? Am I lukewarm? Because you're never going to be able to make any of those changes until you gauge where you actually stand in relationship to God and whether your heart is hot or cold or whether your heart is lukewarm. And the thing about it is, is this is a pretty, it starts off as a pretty scary passage, right? He's very straightforward with them. And he's like, basically like, I don't want anything to do with this. I don't, the way you are, it's not going to work. But it comes around at the end and ends up a little differently. And what you and I need to do when we look at a passage like this is we need to say, what do I have to learn from this? Because the, it says clearly in his word, this was written for us. It was written for our understanding. It was written for our growth. It was written for us to be able to learn from this as well. And so we have to look at this and we have to ask ourselves some questions. And I, the question I really want to pose today for us is this. You look at the end of that passage, he says, as for those emerge, who emerge victorious. I think what we need to ask ourselves from looking at this church in Laodicea is, how can I make sure that I emerge victorious? How can I ensure that I come out on the other side of this okay? How can I ensure that I'm not one of those people who is shut out from the kingdom of God, that's shut out from heaven, someone who's put away? How can I ensure that I'm someone who has a relationship with God? And I think there are specifically four things that you can see really clearly in this passage that we can do to make sure that we emerge victorious. The first thing is this, I have to acknowledge Jesus' authority in my life. If you look at the very beginning of this chapter, it says, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. That's who God is. He is the one who puts the words down. He is the one who has created the entire world. He's faithful to us. He is true to us. And he loves us deeply. And he is the ruler and the Lord of all creation. And until we recognize and, and, and realize and acknowledge the authority that Jesus has over us, we are never going to change. You see, there are a lot of people out there who claim to be Christians and they say that they follow Christ, and they would call him Lord, but very little in their life shows that they, they recognize his authority, right? You will learn to respect my authority. Anybody remember that, right? And what God is telling us here is he's saying, listen, you're going to learn to have respect for who I am and for 
the place that I should have in my life. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have to acknowledge and live by his authority. You have to understand who he is, how big he is, how mighty he is, how strong he is. And I don't think we do that a lot of times. And that's part of the reason that it's so easy for us to ignore things when he tells us to do them because we just forget how incredible, how big, how powerful he is. And we are going to have to acknowledge Jesus' authority in our lives. The second thing you're going to have to do is we're going to have to accept the reality of our situation. He's pretty straight with them. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Some of us here need to acknowledge exactly where we stand. Because I think there are probably all three of those things here today. I believe that there are people in this auditorium who have a cold relationship with God. I believe there are people in this auditorium who have a hot relationship with God. And there are definitely those in this auditorium who have a lukewarm relationship with God. And you, you can look very quickly into your life and you can figure out where you stand in that. You know, people, people all the time get into relationships, dating relationships, marriages, where they, 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 they are living this lukewarm lifestyle. The passion's gone, the fire's gone. Some of you have probably experienced that before. And it's just, you're just like, man, I'm just kind of here coasting. I'm gonna, you know, I'm stuck with this person. I'm, I'm in this relationship. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be here. And for a lot of people, that's where they are in their relationship with God. The passion, the fire, the love, that, that feeling that you had when you came up out of that water realizing that, that God had washed away your sins and that you've been given a new life. All, the, all, that, all that excitement that you had at the beginning, you've allowed it to fail, to, to fade and go away. And you can look and you can ask yourself, man, it, how do I feel whenever I, it comes time to get in my word? Am I excited to get into God's word? Am I excited to look into it and say, what can I learn today? What can I get out of this that's gonna make me closer to God? What can I learn from this that's gonna make me closer to God's people? And there's just like excitement and exuberance that comes about you wanting to get into God's word. When you think about worship, I know earlier RJ mentioned some things about worship. Guys, we, we typically have really good worship at the crossings. I think we've had for a long time. But if I'm being honest, I think in some ways that's waned sometimes. And sometimes when you're on the worship team and you're up here watching, you're like, I wonder how hot some of these people are. And I was thinking about that and I was like, man, you know, if, if we were to write songs for, for our church that, that showed maybe, that showed where we stood, what would songs of a lukewarm church look like? What would they look like? You know, it, it, they would look very different than what we, we, we sing now, Right. Our God is an all right God, he reigns, right? You would never sing that, but sometimes when we're worshiping, that's what it looks like we'd be singing. In relationship to our, our relationship with God, I may always be the same again. I could possibly return. I've cracked that door. How okay is our God? Sing with me, how okay is our God? You wouldn't sing that, right? You wouldn't let that come out of your mouth, right? But daily, it might come out. In the way that we live our lives, it might come out. In our lack of care and concern for him, for the loss, it shows up. 
And God's a good translator. You can sing the right words, but he knows what you're saying. He ain't like Netflix where it mixes it up, right? He knows exactly what you're saying. And he knows whether you're hot or not. And he knows whether or not you're lukewarm. And he looks at this church and he's like, man, you guys, you don't even, you just, you don't see yourselves clearly. You're not hot, you're not cold. He says, you say I'm rich and I've acquired wealth and don't need anything. But you don't realize you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Man, how much more offensive could he get? He's like, you think you got all your crap together, but look at you. Look how jacked up you really are. Man, it is straightforward what he says there, isn't it? Wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. Obviously, they're not walking around stark naked, right? He's saying you're exposed and you don't even realize it. They're not poor. They're from one of the more wealthy cities, as a matter of fact, very wealthy. These are not poor people he's talking to. Part of the reason he's writing, having to write this stuff to him is, is actually because they're rich. Monetarily, they're rich. But he's like, you're poor because you're lukewarm. You're naked because you're lukewarm. You're wretched and you're pitiful because you're lukewarm. See, he used, he used words that these people could understand and p- images and pictures that they could understand. When he talks to them about being lukewarm, they get it because the city, they, they, ha- they didn't have good water in their city, so they had to pipe it in from six miles away, all right? So by the time the water got there, it wasn't hot or cold, and they had another, to, the, to one direction they had a hot spring, to another direction they had a, a good cool spring, but they'd only run a, a, a a, you know, a, a duck from one to the other because they realized by the time the water got there, it wasn't going to be the right temperature anymore anyway, and the water was, was bad. It was gross. And the city had this massive water problem. They didn't even bother to run the second line because there was no reason for it. The water was going to be br- gross by the time it got there either way. And God looks at him and he's like, man, you're so lukewarm. And I wonder if we could give an honest examination and accept the reality of our situation where you would stand. Because if you're going through the motions, God knows it. And you know it. And when you accept that reality, it offers you the opportunity to have something different. You have to acknowledge that Jesus is the authority in your life. You have to accept the reality of your situation. And then you have to adopt God's attitude towards your temperature. Because he says it makes him want to vomit. He says when we're lukewarm, it makes him want to throw up. Ew, right? It makes, him, it makes him sick to his stomach to think about it. When you think about your relationship with God, when you think about how sometimes how ap- apathetic it can be, where you're like, eh, it is what it is. Do you really get sick to your stomach ever about your relationship with God and about where you stand in relationship to him? It's very, I think it's just very easy for us to just be okay with where we are. But God is not okay with that. 
You, you see the attitude that he takes here, right? This is, this is attitude. This is attitude that you see. God's a little bit good and he's a little bit hood, right? You look at this and you're like, he's not playing. You don't, you don't talk to someone the way he's talking to them if you don't have a very negative reaction to what's going on around you. I have to adopt God's attitude about my lukewarmness, and I have to get serious about making changes to it. See, the, sex, the next thing you have to do is you have to act on God's instructions. Act upon God's instructions. He's like, listen, this is where you are, and here's what I would recommend. He says, first of all, I, I would recommend that you, my advice is that you buy gold for me that has been purified by fire so that you may be rich. And he knows they already have money. And he's saying, but it's not the right kind of money. You're not investing in the things that matter because you're buying things that are distracting you from me. And what you should be doing is you should be investing in a relationship with me. You should be buying these things from me. Invest in white clothing to wear so your nakedness won't be shamefully exposed. This, this town was known, Laodicea was known for this rich black wool that they would produce. And the people in the city wore this really nice, rich black wool, and they were so proud of it. It was something that everybody in the city found pride in because it was like their thing. And it was like a sign of, like, of riches. And God's like, man, you guys are so invested in all the wrong things. And you just feel like you're okay. But you're so invested in those things, you don't even realize that you're lukewarm. You don't realize you're, that you're wretched, pitiful, naked that you're poor. You don't see it at all because you're so invested in everything else. You haven't even had time to examine who you are. And I think sometimes today we can get caught up in doing the same thing. We invest in so many things that don't matter. You know, when we talk about our campus ministry, one of the things that we've always told people is, man, you are in college because you are there to reach other college kids for Christ. That's why you're there. The degree you get is a bonus. The degree you get is an extra that it's nice to have, and hopefully it helps you to be able to, to give more to the kingdom of God, and it allows you to support your family and do those things someday, but that's not why you're there. But we get so caught up in the degrees. We get so caught up in the jobs, in the houses, in the cars, in the stuff, in the boy, in the girl, in the, in the marriage. We get so caught up in investing in everything outside of the kingdom of God and while we're doing that, we don't realize we're not being refreshed and we're not being refueled and we're taking this temperature that we started out with, it was hot, and it is slowly just fading. And as it slowly fades and we're investing in everything except our relationship with God, he's just getting more and more nauseous. He says, clothe yourself in, in, in white. You know, he's saying, listen, you gotta get away from living life the way that you want. White is always representative of holiness and righteousness when you look at it. And he's saying, listen, you, you guys are not living lives that are holy and pure. And he says, you need to clothe yourselves in Christ. You need to clothe yourselves in the things that are pure. Every single one of us in here, I think, if we're being really honest, can say, man, I've gotten caught up in living in um, impure ways, things that wouldn't please God. I've invested in the wrong things. I've engaged in the wrong things. And my clothes are stained and they're nasty and they're dirty. And they need to be done away with. And I need to clothe myself in Christ in a way that pleases God. 
He tells them, you, you need to open your eyes and buy for me ointment to put on your eyes so that you may see. You know what, what else Laodicea was famous for? Their medical school. You know what their medical school was most famous for? A salve that they made for people's eyes. He's saying, listen, you can, yeah, you can get all that stuff here, but not like what I offer you. He's like, you need to open your eyes to what's really going on. He's trying to, to, to get them to act upon his instructions, to, to invest in the right things, to clothe themselves in the right things, to open their eyes to what's going on around them and realize that they're in a spiritual battle and the things that are here on this earth are not going to last long. The things that we invest in and clothe ourselves in, they are going to fade away. They're going to be gone. And then he tells them, he says, I correct and discipline those whom I love. You know, one of the hardest things I think as a parent is to get your child to understand that how much you love them while also disciplining them and getting them to understand that you're disciplining them because you love and care for them. It's a difficult thing to do in the kingdom. It's difficult for leaders in the church to help you understand, hey, I love you, but sometimes you do need some discipline too. You need to be told the hard things. And whenever, whenever we don't allow other people to discipline us, when we can't take correction, we slowly fade from hot to lukewarm and eventually to cold. When someone comes to you and says, hey, I've noticed this in you. I saw you doing this. I, I think you need to examine this. What's your first reaction? Is it to get the angry and defensive or is it to realize, man, I, I'm fortunate that I have people that God has put around me who love and care for me and he loves and cares for me and they want to help me be different. They want to help me be better. They want me to have a hot relationship with God. God disciplines us because he loves and cares for us. But we have to be able to accept that discipline. He says from there, so be earnest and change your hearts and lives. You know what that, what that translated is, right? Change your hearts and lives. If you've studied the Bible here at the Crossing Church ever, or any of our plants, you should know what he's saying there, right? What is that called? Repent. It's about repentance. He says, listen, you are lukewarm. You're making me nauseous. I want to throw up. You need to invest in me. You need to clothe yourselves in the right things. You need to open your eyes and you need to allow for forgiveness from your past through repentance. I want, to, I want to help you move beyond this, but you have to change your hearts and your lives. You have to be real about it. This isn't a game that we play. And the cool thing about God is that he's standing there and he's waiting for us to repent. He waits for the repentance. Behold, I stand at the door. He is just like, he's like, I am just longing for you to be different. You know, it's kind of funny, right, that he's talking to a church, but he's not even in their building. He's like, I, I, we're not in the same, we're not in the same house here. We're in different houses. And if you want to be in my house, then you have to repent. You have to make some changes. You have to change your heart and you have to change your life because I want to open that door. 
God always keeps that door open for us. He always allows for us to be able to have a relationship with him. He always allows for us to be able to change our hearts and lives, to repent and come to him. That door is always gonna be there and God is always saying, man, I am waiting for you. I've been standing here knocking on the door and if you hear my voice, open the door and I'm gonna come in. I'll sit down and I will eat with you. I, I want you to have a dinner with me. And he goes, and then when you emerge victorious to do that, I will sit you on my throne just like I did with the, my dad did with me. God is longing to have dinner with us. But you don't want to sit across from somebody who's going to make you vomit. Right? You know, it's one time, this is a hilarious story. So Hannah and Ashley and I were one time in a, in a, in a car together. And we get to talking about something that I'm not even going to get into but I start laughing so hard. Like I'm, I'm laughing so hard, we're like crying. And then I get choked up and we're getting out of the car at our house and we live on this busy street in, in, in Alton. Cars drive by all the time. So I'm laughing so hard, I start getting choked and I start throwing up in our front lawn because I'm laughing so hard. And I'm like, and I'm like, I can't stop vomiting. And then I look over and because I'm throwing up, Ashley and Hannah both start gagging, and the next thing you know, all three of us are on College Avenue in our front yard, vomiting all over the sidewalk. And people are driving by, and I know they had to be thinking, what did those people take? And all we were doing was just laughing. But, but vomiting, it, it can be contagious. God does not want to sit across the table from you feeling like he's going to throw up all over the table. But when we're lukewarm... That's how he feels. He feels nauseous, like he's going to spit us out of his mouth. And I need to be the kind of person who realizes, man, God has done a lot for me, and I need to be someone who changes my heart and life because of the sacrifice that he's made. You guys have been given a lot. I know a lot of your stories. I've been given a lot. And we're pretty ungrateful. And our lack of gratitude leads us to having hearts that aren't on fire for God. And it shows up in our lives. It shows up in our discipleship. It shows up in our worship. It shows up everywhere. But it doesn't have to stay that way. Man, what a bummer if God would have ended this with, I'm gonna, you make me want to vomit, right? And then walked out. <laughs> But that's not what he does. You know, that, that's, you know, he's not like us, like with a fight with your spouse. You make me sick. And then out the door, you're like, really? We're done I guess we're done talking, right? That's, that's the way you feel. And God's like, no, that's not, that's not what I'm saying here. You make, me wanna, you make me sick, but you can change. You can be different. You can be better. And I want to help you be that. But you got to make a decision about what you want. You know, this weekend, you've been given so many tools You've gotten to look into God's word and you've had the opportunity to, to examine your heart. And you've got to say, man, which church am I like? What do I need to change? What do I need to, what do, I need to do differently? You've got to go to classes where you've been given very specific instruction. But you are going to do nothing with any of that if you have a lukewarm heart. 
And my prayer for this, this weekend is that you leave here and you're able to implement and apply everything that you've learned because you've made a decision in your heart that you're gonna repent and you're gonna be on fire for God. And God's just knocking on that door, waiting. Are you gonna open it? You know, I, I don't think we're ever gonna fully understand God's love, but I'll tell you this. Um, I, I know that feeling, and I, and I think some of you do too, of being that person who's knocking on that door. And there's somebody who you love and you care for and you know they don't have a relationship with God and you're just knocking on the door. And you're like, man, come on, when is this ever gonna happen? I think about when my friends walked away from God. I've shared that, that story with you guys many times. And I just remember for 15 years, feeling like you're just standing there knocking on the door. And you're just longing for them to repent and longing for them to have a relationship with God. And you're beating on the door. And it's heartbreaking because you know their life is screwed up and you know where they're at and you know how much better it could be. And so you keep knocking on the door and you just keep knocking on the door and your heart is just breaking the whole time. Imagine doing that for thousands of years for every single being that has ever lived on this entire planet. Because that's what God does. He's standing there knocking on the door. He's like, I'm not going to let you in if you're making me nauseous, but if you change, you can come in and we can eat together. One of my favorite parts about CMU is when we get to go out and eat together. My favorite part about being a part of God's kingdom is sitting down and having a meal together. But I've had those, those meals also where I'm sitting across the table from somebody that I kind of want to punch in the face. And I'm like, you make me sick because of the way you're living, and I know you're full of it right now. And it makes you angry, and it makes you upset, and it makes you so frustrated. And God's like, I'm knocking on the door. Repent. I want to sit across the table from you, and I don't want to feel like that. I want to sit across the table from you and know that we're right. I want to know that we're good. And I want you to emerge victorious. I want you to overcome this. And I want you to have dinner with me and I want to spend eternity with you and my dad in heaven and I want us to have a party forever. That's what he wants. But ultimately, we have to decide what we want. You all have the opportunity to be hot. Isn't that nice? Some of you, it'll be the first time in your life. <laughs> Oh, TC, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you have an opportunity to be hot. And if you make that decision to be hot for God, it will change everything in your life. And it will change everything in your eternity. And someday, we'll be sitting there with God, having a meal, and he'll be standing over knocking on the door. He's like, I'm still waiting on these guys to come in. Right? Right? And we're sitting there eating. We're like, Jesus, come eat. You said you were going to eat with us. He's like, I am going to eat with you, but hold on. I'm still knocking. And he's going to be waiting on some of you. Don't make him wait. Choose to repent. Choose to be hot. And let's see what God does with it. Because he's longing to help you become an overcomer. He's longing to help you be that person who, who comes to on the other side. He's like, yeah, get over here with me. It's going to be awesome. But it's not going to happen as long as we're lukewarm. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, I uh, just want to, again, thank you for being a God who loves us, God, uh, no matter what's going on. Um, God, that, you, uh, that you're a God who, you're able to look at us, God, in, in a way that a parent looks at a kid. Like, I think about my kids, God, and there's, there's just nothing I can imagine my, my children doing, God, that, uh, that could make me stop loving them, God. And I know just like um, me as a father, God, there are things that I did that disappointed my parents. There are things that my kids are going to do that disappoint me, God, but uh, it doesn't change uh, my love for them. And I know your love for us doesn't change either, God. And I know that you have a longing for us, God, to be hot for you. You have a longing to have dinner with us. You have a longing for us to be people who are passionate about you, God. And I pray that you help all of us at CMU this weekend, God, to be people who are on fire for you, God, that we never have to worry about whether or not we're, we're uh, making you want to spit us out, God, but we can just know, man, I'm somebody who's choosing to be on fire for God, and he's pleased, and that we can overcome, and God, that uh, we can step inside that door, and we can have dinner with you, God, and that a lot of our friends and our family will be there with us, God. And just help us to be the kind of people who you are able to work through like that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.